It's good to be here this morning with the family of faith. Amen. How awesome it is to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say you're in the right place. I don't know where, where you've been this week, but there's no better place than to be in the house of the Lord. I'm going to say like David, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I say it all the time. There's no better place to be in church because you're going to hear the mind of God. And we need, to, we need to know, we need to hear the heart of the Lord every day, every moment that we can glean in on Him. Amen. So awesome, awesome to see the family of faith, the people of God. We are in an awesome series called First Love Series, and we've been going the last several weeks through, through this series on how to keep God first. How many know that God, out of His preeminence, demands to be first? We know that God, he, He's first or nothing at all. And so I say to everybody here today, we're going to keep God first in every area of our life. Last week, we talked about time. Today, we're going to talk about treasures. Amen. Are you ready? We're going to get into some conversations. I pray that your heart be open and ready for the entry of the word of the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read the word of the Lord this morning. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the first book of your Bible, the book of Genesis. Go to chapter 4. We're going to read a couple of verses here. Genesis chapter 4. We'll start here at verse 3. And then we'll take that all the way through verse 7. This is Genesis 4. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through verse 7. And today, of course, we are still in our series. This is the third message in that series entitled, The Best of Me. The Best of Me in this series, uh, First Love. And we're going to get to some stuff today that I know is going to bless your life. I pray that you're ready for the word of the Lord. And it begins like this. This again is Genesis chapter 4 verse 3 and it says this. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offerings but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell he got mad and the Lord said unto Cain why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance fallen in verse 7, he says this, If thou dost well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And we're going to get into that conversation here in just a moment. Y'all ready? Will y'all help me to pray a little bit? Let's just, let's pray. Let's set all the stuff aside. Let's, let's not worry about what time it is. Let's just enter into the heart of God and into his mind. He's going to share some stuff with you. The spirit of God's going to move dynamically and, and move upon your hearts. Let's just, let's just invite him in. Holy Spirit, we give you all the preeminence you desire in us. That in, that in this short little 30 minutes, this short 40 minutes, that we're going to entertain the voice of the Lord. We pray that, Holy Spirit, you, you move these words, move these thoughts, strengthen us, Father, as we pull up into you. Father, you said that if we draw nigh unto you, you'll draw nigh unto us. And so we steady ourselves, we still ourselves, that you might be everything you need to be in this hour. Holy Spirit, I pray you help us. Pray you help us that there be an attentiveness to your word. Holy Spirit, help me bring the kind of anointing that makes preaching easy. And that, 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 that all the communication today will be easy and entreated by the family of faith. And so we pray your help. We pray your strength. And we can do nothing without you, Holy Spirit. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, before you see that, I want you to go greet your brothers in the Lord, but I want you to tell them this. Tell them this for me. I want you to tell them, give your best to God. Go tell somebody, give your best to God. Go find five people, tell them, give your best to God. Give your best to God. Give your best to God. Brother Curtis, God bless you. Give 
your best to God. Give your best to God. Did you find somebody? Did you tell them, give your best to God? Give your best to God. If you have a moment as you're sitting down and getting yourself prepared for the entry of the word of the Lord, will you do me a favor and, and put your Bible ribbon on Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to go uh, at the end of the message and get into some conversation there just as we conclude the message today. But I just want you to be in a place where you can quickly go to your Bible and we're going to get into some stuff. I'm looking down at my time. When you look at your watch right now, it is 1115 I just want you to know that I might, I might take you a little past 12 because today we are taking communion. Amen. So we're going to partake in communion today. That's going to be awesome. I pray that we are all ready to celebrate victory in Jesus' name. We won't take communion. We're going to understand how profound that work is. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let me begin today by giving to you three ways that you might interpret the scriptures. I'm going to give this to you because, above all, I want to teach you how excellent God is. Will you look at your neighbor and say, God is excellent. <laughs> he is all-surpassing. He is excelling. I want to give to you what it is to interpret the scripture. So if you're a note-taker, this would be a great place to take notes because I want to give to you something that, that I believe the culture, the generation, the people of God need to entertain. If you're, if you're a student of the word of the Lord, if you, if you enjoy the word of God, I want to give to you three ways that you might interpret the scriptures. Now catch this, for all of you that desire and love the word of the Lord, I want to give you this first premise. Premise number one, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, somebody say all scripture. That means from the beginning of the book of Genesis to the ending chapter of the book of Revelation, all scripture is given by revelation of God, by inspiration of God. All of it is God breathed. Uh, this is what Paul told the church at Rome when he says, and whatsoever was written aforetime was written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. It's important for you to know that you can learn a lot about God in the Old Testament. <laughs> Could I suggest to you that almost all that I know about God, I learned through the Old Testament. What I learned about the heart of God and the purpose of God, I learned through Christ. So important that you understand that all of the scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed upon it. Did you catch that? Number two, all the scriptures are weighty. The scriptures have weight. You say, well, well, how does it have weight? Uh, it, it, is a, it is the apostle Peter who the Bible says on the Mount of Transfiguration saw both Elijah and Moses come and commune with God, with Christ. Uh, he noticed there that something impeccable happened in faith and that both the law and the prophets were testifying in the person called Christ. Do you know that the Bible says in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10, that the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy? <laughs> Somebody's got to lay hold of that, baby, because when you testify about Jesus, you're prophesying into your future. I don't know if I got any witness right there, my man, but when you start saying, my God can do it, my Jesus is able, you are prophesying to your future. Anybody got a problem? Jesus is the answer because he's a prophetic work in the scripture. It is there that Peter said that, that, that uh, speaking of that beautiful uh, 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 experience of the transfiguration, that, that Peter described it as the excellent glory. He said, from the excellent glory, he heard this voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Peter said, it'd be good you take heed to that. Lest the day star fall upon you. Ah. He says, and no prophecy, no prophecy 
Listen to this, is to any private interpretation. No prophecy in the scripture is given to any private interpretation. In other words, what he's showing you is that your Bible is weighty. Why? Because it is prophetic. The Bible isn't like any other book. It speaks about what is, what is to come to pass, what has already come to pass. Do you know that there are over 350 major prophecies concerning Jesus and he fulfilled them all? Your Bible is full of the prophecy of the kingdom of heaven. And when you testify in Jesus, you are speaking into your future. <laughs> Somebody say, hallelujah, the scriptures are waiting. So when I read my Bible, I know that I'm reading reliability in the things of God. They are weighty. When I read my Bible, I take every verse the same. I don't place uh, the Old Testament over the New or the New Testament over the Old. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. How many are glad God doesn't change? I've heard people tell me, preacher, I don't take the Old Testament for real. And I said, well, why don't you take it for real? Well, you see, in the New Testament, this is, this is the New Testament of Jesus. I said, well, don't you know that whatever God did, he did it in the light of his son? That even when he made men, he said, let us go make man in our own image. That God never spoke a word without Jesus being at his right hand. Friend, let me tell you, that Old Testament will wake up your life. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. All the scriptures weighty because it comes from the prophetic notion and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And number three, and this is the place where the Spirit of the Lord has brought me to you this morning. I want to give you a verse that if you, if you get this verse, it can transform your faith. I want to give you a verse in the Bible that this is where, where people diverge. This, this is the pivot point. Could, could I say that if you get this right, the pendulum of your faith will swing correctly for God. You'll keep time in the kingdom. Now, now, I want to give you this verse. In fact, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to Romans chapter 8. Slide your finger down to verse 32 because I want to give you this verse. Because this speaks of the excellencies of God. Now, 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 let me stop here and say something about why most people don't understand their Bible. Most of you don't understand your Bible because you don't know how excellent God is. <laughs> I'm going to say that again one more time because that, that's got to be said. Most of us can't comprehend our Bible because the Bible speaks out of the excellence of God. God always speaks out of his zenith, out of the apex. Uh, the, the mind of God is high. That's why the Bible says his thoughts aren't your thoughts, nor his ways your ways. As heaven is high above the earth, so are his thoughts above yours and his ways above yours. God speaks out of a loftiness. God speaks out of an apex. God is always speaking out of the zenith. That's, that, that's why Jesus says in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, St. Matthew chapter 6, he says, Be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. For all of you that have been walking around saying, well, nobody's perfect, you better get on with the Bible. Because God expects you to be perfect. The expectation of the Bible is to be perfect. Do you know that the, that, that the Bible says, this is in Leviticus chapter 11, of course in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, uh, Leviticus chapter 11, Leviticus chapter 19, Leviticus chapter 20, we hear this command of God. Be ye holy because I am holy. Let me say it again. Be ye holy because I am holy. Uh, most church people don't know what holiness is. Uh, most of us have never bothered to figure out, well, what is holiness? In the Hebrew, holiness means a cut above the rest. It is excellence. God is saying, because I am excellent, you need to be excellent. Let me say that one more time. Be, be, because I am excellent, you need to be excellent. And isn't it amazing that when you go to church, nobody teaches a believer how to be excellent in their faith. God never speaks to mediocrity. God is always at the apex. He wants you to be as he is. He wants you to be excellent. When you look at your neighbor and say, baby, you got to be perfect and you've got to be excellent. So let's get on with the business of God. Let's get on with the business of God. How many know you're going to need the Holy Ghost to do that? Oh, I'm talking. I'm, I'm taking you somewhere. Just hold tight. Hold tight because we're going somewhere this morning. Uh, you're in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. This is what it says. And he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Somebody say all things. 
so important that you get that that God when God surveyed all of heaven to redeem the lost he found the thing of greatest value he presented to you that which was most excellent somebody say Hollywood somebody say Jesus is excellent Jesus was excellent man and he he came and showed you what it is to be excellent he came and walked out the mind and heart of God he was absolutely perfect and impeccable he was excellent to the excellent degree and he showed you he showed you what it is to live a life of excellence before God God gave to you his greatest excellence he gave him to you he gave him to you the Bible says he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not with him also freely give you all things somebody say all things now, I want you to hear this Paul gives the same expression to the church at Philippi when speaking of their generosity towards the work that he was doing before God when he said this my God shall supply all your needs. Somebody say all. Uh, That's the Greek word pasan, which means everything. Somebody say everything. Everything, everything, whole. There's nothing left out. It is full. It is complete. All things. For my God shall supply all your needs. Watch. According to his riches and glory. Watch this. In Christ Jesus. Now. Y'all want to go a little deeper with me? Because I'm teaching you how to get to the Bible, right? I'm teaching you how to get in. Because I'm going to teach you what God expects you, what he expects of you in your treasures. You see, God gave you his best. He expects you to give him your best. Let me say that one more time. Let me say that one more time. God said, I'm going to give to you my best. My expectation is you're going to give to me your best. Now, 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 I want to show you something so profound because I'm I'm actually teaching you how to handle that which is a value in your life. Now, 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 I want to quote uh, from a passage of scripture. In fact, you can go there with me. This is, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. This has been embedded in my spirit since the first time I started studying the scriptures. I want to give to you the quotation of Apostle Paul quoting the prophet Isaiah in the 64th chapter. This is what he says. This is, this is second, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. He says this, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear hath heard, watch this, neither have entered into the hearts of men, the things, uh, here we go. Somebody say the things. Uh, touching the giving neighbor high five and say, we're talking about the things. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 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 but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear hath heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things which God had prepared for them that love him. I'm going to say that one more time for somebody because maybe you're, you're, you're lagging behind. You didn't get a donut. You didn't drink your coffee. Let me give it to you one more time. The, the, the Bible says, but as it is written, I have not seen uh, n- nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of men the things, somebody say the things, which God have prepared for them that love him. Uh, that, that, that sounds a lot to me like Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. You see, you see what Paul is showing you, that the excellencies of God are now a matter of faith. Let me say that one more time for somebody. I, I, you ought to be happy about that that, 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 that. that Paul is now showing you that the very excellence of God, the things you can't see, the things you can't hear, the things that have never entered into your heart are now an issue of faith with God. Yeah. Now, now, it gets deeper. Watch this. He says, no, but, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the hearts of men the things which God had prepared for them that love them. But God hath revealed them unto us. Yeah. By his spirit. Uh, he says, he says, but God had revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Somebody say all things. Uh, yea, the deep things of God. 
Anybody want to go deep with God? I want to go deep with God. I want to get real deep with God. And you see, it's the Spirit of God who produces the very deep things of God. For what man knoweth the Spirit of the man, save the Spirit of the man which is in him. Neither doth any man know the things of God, but the Spirit of God. Then he says this. Then he says this. Now think about what he's about to tell you because this is transformative. He says, but you have not received the spirit which is of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that you might know the things that are freely given to you of God. (laughs) He says, which things we speak, not in words with man's wisdom teaches, but what the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. In other words, God has now put the excellencies into the spiritual realm. See, 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 if you were an intercessor and you were a battler in warfare and prayer, you know exactly what that means. Let me explain it to you. How many know that you can have all the faith in the world, but if you get around faithless people, it quenches your gift? You say, well, preacher, what you talking about? Ask Jesus. Jesus went back to his hometown, wanted to do miracles there. But they said, well, isn't this the son of the carpenter? We know Mary. We know his brother and sister. And the Bible says and very few miracles were done there because of their unbelief. Anybody ever deal with somebody who's stubborn or absent or rebellion, rebellious against God and you're praying for them, you're helping them, but it seems like they're frustrating the will of God. But that's not so in the spiritual realm. Jesus says, there I've given you all authority to walk over, to tread over scorpions. And there I've given you all authority or all the power of the devil that we might avail. You see what God did is he put his excellency into a place of faith, into the spiritual realm that when you get down on your knees and you put your hands together and you begin to do battle in the holies, God said, I'm gonna give you all authority there. You take authority, you use your power. Oh, I can move mountains there, baby. I, I can move mountains there, baby. Y'all didn't hear me. I'm uprooting trees there in the kingdom of God. It's all spiritual. Somebody say, it's all spiritual. And it's by faith. Say it again. It's all spiritual. And it's by faith. Let me share something with you. I'm living in a culture. I am literally living in a culture where we don't understand excellence in faith. Let me, let me show you this. I have heard prominent preachers, ministers say, when you give to God, expect nothing back. Friend, that's a false humility. God says, Jesus taught us, when you give your alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And your father would see it in secret. He's going to reward you openly. He said, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites, for they love praying in the synagogues and on the street corner to be seen men. But when you pray, go into your closet, close the door behind you, and your father, which is in secret, when he sees you praying in secret, he's going to reward you openly. The Bible says, when you fast, don't pray like the hypocrites do, and they make their countenance so sad. But when you fast, wash your face and anoint your head with oil, and your father, which seeth in secret, shall reward you openly. When you lend, don't expect it back again. And your father would see you lending in secret. He's going to reward you openly. Your father always motivates the right behavior. He's always motivating the right behavior. There's not one parent in here who would have a child and you want him to see him be excellent or her excellent that you wouldn't say to that child, listen, if you bring me all A's, I'll give you $100 for every A you make. That that kid doesn't run to school with joy. They'll say, I want to please my mama. I want to please my daddy. And I know that in pleasing them, there's a reward in pleasing. God said, I want to teach you faith. Listen to what the Bible says. Watch, watch this. I I want to give you this, right? Listen, because I'm teaching you the principles of treasures. Watch this. The Bible says this. Watch, catch this. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he is, that he is the I am. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Touch your neighbor and say, God's going to reward you, baby. God is faithful to give it back. People will say, well, preacher, if you teach that, people are going to be spoiled. No, they're not. Don't be deceived, for God cannot be mocked. For whatever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Listen, I'm here to tell you, listen, if all you're trying to do is to get from God, you're going to be disappointed. Because you're going to ask and you're going to ask amiss. 
And I know enough about my God that he'll eventually bring you to a place where he's going to present to you an option, a place where you have to decide, do you want the gift or do you want the giver? Uh, I just said it. I just said it. Last week I told you if you want to keep the day holy before God, if you want to redeem the time, be full of thanksgiving. Rejoice in the day. Be glad in it. For this is the day which the Lord hath made. I will be glad and rejoice in it. I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking to somebody. I'm talking to somebody. This is the principle of treasure. God said, I'm excellent in giving. You're going to be excellent in giving too. If I'm excellent to you, you're going to be excellent to me. It's excellence. We don't teach that. We are now in a culture that thinks they can come before God and give God anything. So, so what I did for you, for your purview, is I brought you to the scriptures. I, I, I'm not here trying to convince you to give. I'm here teaching you the principles of excellence. Now it's up to you whether you want to be excellent or not. Well, that matter belongs to you and God. Let me teach it. The Bible says that uh, in the process of time, it came to pass. I I love that phrase because here are two boys, the first two sons that are born out of the womb of their mother. Because you know that Adam and Eve were not born. They were made of God by his very hands. I have to believe that there is at least some semblance of oral tradition. In other words, there had to have been some way that Adam and Eve were giving to their sons the history of where they come from. Uh, Obviously, they, they were in the utopia of the very best of God. How many know that if God said it is good after he made creation, that it was good? (laughs) And how many know that they lost that good place? And they're now living under the toils of of the curse that was invoked upon their disobedience. It just so happens that both of these boys are learning about God, but not both of them are excellent. Isn't it frustrating when you get around people who don't want to do their best? I mean, some of you, y'all got, you, you go to work, and there's some people at your job. And, I mean, they're nice people, but they don't work well, you know. They, they, they lollygag around, and they talk too much. I mean, they're nice people and everything, and, and you like them, and, and they're okay on the weekend. You'll go, you'll go play putt-putt with them, and you'll go bowling with them. But, 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 but really, when it comes to work, they're, they're really sorry people because they're just not excellent people. How many are glad that at your job there are some excellent people that when you get to work, you know, they're working, man, and they, they, they make your job easier because they're they're carrying their load they're 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 supporting themselves they're doing what needs to be done it nice to be around excellent people it just so happens that not everybody's excellent i look at the church and i know right away that not everybody in here is excellent i wish you were excellent I I wish you'd make up your mind to be excellent. You've made up your mind about being excellent everywhere else in your life. You want to be excellent at work. You want to to go there and you want to march into the beat of your boss's command and you're doing all the work and you stay late and you get there early and you did all of that stuff for a man. But you won't do it for God. God said, I want you to be excellent. As I am excellent to you, you're going to be excellent right back to me. This is how God works. He wants you to be excellent. Somebody say, God wants me to be excellent. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants you to be excellent. I present these boys because, listen, I'm not even in a religious attitude. I just want you to see that here is a place where there's no religion. There's no prescription. There's nothing that they're referring to. There's no synagogue. There's, There's no word of God. There's no place other than this is the history of where we come from. This is who God is. And you know, they wanted to get back in relationship with God. Doesn't everybody want to get back into relationship with God? I mean, that's why you're here. There's not anybody in here that just came in here because, well, let me go see what they're doing over there at that, 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 that building over there. Why is everybody parking their cars? Let me go, let me go see what they're saying. You're here because you know the Spirit of God is drawing you towards God. He's pulling you in. There's something here and you want to know it. Yeah. Well, uh, 
And in the process of time, it came to pass. Watch this. Knowing all that they knew about God, Cain says, I want to get close to God, so I'm going to bring up some fruit from the ground that I've been tilling. You know, you know, he's a farmer. I'm, I'm going to bring the Lord some fruit. I, I don't know what it was, some melons, some leeks, some onions, whatever he brought. He put it in a pile, gave it to God. But you see, Abel's different. Abel comes back to God. Listen, listen, listen to what Abel does. And the Bible tells me, by faith, Abel did this. In the simple recognition of the excellence of God that he said, you know what? I'm going to give to God my very, very best. So, so, so he, he was a shepherd. So he surveyed his field. And from the field, he selected the firstlings. And from the firstlings, he brought the fattest ones to God. He brought the best of the best. And you know God, who can never be second, who can never be second best. When he surveyed the offerings, he says, because of my divine nature, because of who I am, my preeminence, I cannot take that. For the Bible says, unto Cain's offering, he had not respect. But unto Abel's offering, he had respect. Uh, Many theologians begin to suppose upon the scriptures. I I don't think it's healthy to add or to take away. I think, I think it's important to read what the Bible is teaching. Uh, the, the, the Bible simply says that these guys wanted to get back in relationship with God. They knew enough to bring an offering. Do you know that there's some people that don't even know that they have to bring their gift to God? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not just your treasure, but the gift that God put on the inside of you. I'm going to talk about talents next week. Because every one of you got talents. Some of us just bury it. But I'm, gonna, I'm bringing my shovel next week. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig that thing up. I'm going I'm to bring your talent to light. S- some people don't even know that when they come before God, you come with an offering. He is Lord over your treasures. Th- 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 friend, these are principles. I am teaching you the principles of the word of God. I'm teaching you that which belongs in the spirit. You're not going to rationalize this in your mind. You're going to say, well, let me think. Well, what, what was God and how can I make God first? And what should I do, brother? This is spiritual work. This is where we learn that God is first in everything. So unto Cain, the Bible says God had respect. Theologians like to suppose that it was Cain who was, who was presenting what they call a fruit offering or, or what may be construed in the days of the Mosaic law to bring a peace offering before God. Some might construe that what, what Abel was doing was bringing a sin offering, that which we learn from the Mosaic law and, and the things which God taught Moses to do as a remission of sin and the atoning of sin. But that's not true. Because they knew nothing about that. They just wanted to get back in relationship with God. You say, well, preacher, how do you know that? Because the writer of Hebrews told me. This is what it says. Hebrews chapter 11. The first person listed in the hall of fame concerning faith is a man by the name of Abel. The Bible says, by faith, Abel offered unto God, listen, a more excellent sacrifice. And the Bible says, and by it obtained witness that he was righteous, that he was right. So that nobody might think, well, he's just being extravagant. He's trying to get in good with God. He's a big show off. No, God is saying that that was the right thing to do. He obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. And by it, though he being dead, yet speaketh. Abel is speaking to our church that God wants you to be more excellent. Uh Let me say it again because I don't want no disruption. I I, I want your full undivided attention. Let me say to you one more time. God wants your giving to be more excellent. 
Now, 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 I know what you're already saying because I can already feel it. I can feel El Ojo trying to penetrate my anointing. Let me help you understand. If you're a guest here today, don't think that I come in here preaching about giving every Sunday. Uh, some of y'all know that it's been a long time since I've preached about giving, and it's not one, one of my mantras. It's not my mantelpiece. You know, when I come in, I want to teach you the word of the Lord, and I'm just perhaps th- this day God has brought you here this morning that you might learn for yourself that God wants to be first in your treasures. Maybe that's why God drew you in. Maybe that's why God's been moving over your heart. That's why you've been seeing the Spirit of God fall in this house. Why? Because we're talking about first love. And maybe you're like the church at Ephesians. Maybe you're real good about coming to church and you're real good about faithfully fulfilling your duty before God. But you know, Jesus, there's one thing I have against you. You've lost your first love. Maybe you lost your first love. It's amazing the things we give to that we won't give to God. It's amazing where you'll spend your money but you won't spend it here. It's amazing what we'll spend our money for and the things that we're happy about spending it. But oh, how gloomy we become when the preacher picks up the offering. Friend, God has sent me to tell you that he wants to be first in your giving. He wants you to be excellent in how you give to him. He wants you to think about him and say, God, I'm going to give to you my most excellent sacrifice. I hear people say, well, pre- preacher, if, if I give my offering, what's going to happen to this? And what's going to happen now? What if I lose this and what if I lose this? So what if you do? It's called a sacrifice. Yes. Come on. I'm not worried about you paying your rent. I'm worried about you being obedient to God. I'm not worried about the kind of car you drive. I want you to be obedient to God. Yes. Y'all got to hear me. Touch your neighbor and say, man, that's the real talk there, Jack. You, 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 you got to lay hold of that. Yes. Notice what happens. Notice what happens. I want you to notice what happens when Cain sees that God accepts his brother's offering. You, you, you know what I find so, so intriguing? That most of the people that talk that tithing isn't biblical are the people who aren't tithing. Isn't it funny that the people that complain about tithing are the very people that don't tithe at all? I have never heard a tither complain about giving. They're always thankful that they're doing it. Pastor, I want you to know how much it's blessed me, and I want you to know that that principle has rescued me time and time again. I'm so thankful. I'm so glad that I'm a tither. It's never them complaining. It's the ones who don't tithe that cross their arms and say, well, how is it that? And and the Bible said, and what about this? And what about that? You're just like Cain. You're just like Cain. You see, what happened was Cain got mad. Cain got mad, Brother Curtis, that his brother was doing that which is most excellent. You know, it challenged him. You, you, you know how it is when people see you doing right, they don't want you to do right because when you do right, it affects their right and, and your right is better than their right and they get a little jealous, a little envious and they start getting upset. They start talking about you and play hate and all the while knowing that you're doing exactly what is right before the sight of God. And friend, let me tell you something. I bring you these verses to show you exactly what happened. What did God say? What did God say? Why are you so sad? Why is your countenance falling? Don't you know that if you do well, you're going to be accepted? Watch. But if you don't do it, sin lies at your door. Do you know that I've had people apologetically in the scriptures argue with me Malachi chapter 3 by saying, preacher, the Bible says, how will a man rob God? He says, you rob me in your tithe and offerings. The whole nation of you, you are under a curse. They have literally looked me in the face and said, preacher, how is it that you can be a Christian and be under a curse? Uh, Let me explain it like this. Years ago, I was watching a a, a debate, an apologetic debate about uh, the existence of God. John Lennox was debating Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins stands up in all his arrogance. He's walking about and talking so profoundly. And he says, I just can't believe that there would be a God to whom you ascribe such glory. A God who made everything by the very speaking of his mouth and put all into existence because he said so would be concerned about what I do with my genitals. And I heard the crowd. To which John Lennox stood up and said, Oh, I see your problem. 
you have a problem with morality. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? That we have believers that believe that if you disobey God, that that if we willfully do that which is against the word of God, that if we violate the principles of God, that you're going to be blessed. Is this where grace has taken you, my friends? Is this where grace has you? That you think that by grace you can err against God and God's going to bless your error and your disobedience? Friend, I'm here to tell you when Jesus talked about grace, did he, he did not diminish the Ten Commandments. He lifted them up. He said this, listen, brother. You said thou shalt do no murder. Let me tell you this. If you say fool and rock it to a brother, you're in danger of hellfire. He said, listen, you say this, thou shalt not commit adultery. I tell you the truth, if any man lusts upon a woman, he's already committed adultery with her in his heart. Do you think that Jesus heightened the commandments or did he lower them? Friend, I'm here to tell you, grace is a tough thing. Grace ain't no easy thing. And we're in a culture now that's teaching his people that you could just cross your hands and sit back and relax because Jesus did it all. Friend, grace is tough. Grace gets right here. It won't attest you what's actually in your heart. Grace points to the queen. See, I like the Ten Commandments because you, 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 you see with the Ten Commandments, you know, you know I, can, I, I can't touch, but I can look. Yeah, I, I like the Ten Commandments because, you know, I can hate somebody. As long as I don't kill him. Y'all hear what I'm saying, man. I'm trying to tell you, Jesus ain't no joke, man. He, he's saying things, man. And if you read your Bible, if you read your Bible, man, if you read your Bible, you know that Jesus is serious about excellence. He says, you want to follow me? You want to follow me? But guess what? If you want to follow me, you've got to hate your mother and your father and your brothers and your sisters and everything you possess. If you want to follow me, you've got to lose your life. Listen, does that sound like grace is taking it easy? You see, there's Cain upset about it, mad about it, disgruntled about it. The Bible says, the scriptures say, I don't know how long it took, but the Bible says he was talking with his brother. Uh-huh. I don't even want to know what he's talking to him about. I don't think he was trying to learn from his brother. I think he was trying to persuade him not to give God the best. Uh-huh. As most people do. Yes. What sad days I live in. What sad days I'm living in. Well, we have stopped giving God the best. That he doesn't get the best. He deserves that. He says, as I'm holy, be ye holy. As I'm excellent, you be excellent. God deserves our very best. Can I get an applause? Can I, can I get an amen? Can somebody say, you're right, preacher? God deserves our very best. He deserves that. Now, 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 now. Uh, you, you have your Bibles there. Turn, turn with me. And the, the Spirit's just talking to me. There's none of my notes. Uh, turn with me to, to Genesis chapter 14. I want to read something to you. You know, over the years, I've had people say, you know, uh, that tithing isn't biblical. Tithing's in the Bible. Let me, let me just go on a little. Can I go on a little tangent? Can I get on my soapbox? Do you know that 10 is strategic in the Bible because 10 is a number of testing? Let me say that one more time. 10 is strategic in the Bible, in the numerology of the scriptures. And anybody that knows anything about numerology knows that numbers with God mean things. God uses 10. He could have used 8. He could have used 7. He could have used 6. But he used 10. Because 10 is easier to figure out. If you can't count by 10s, you probably can't count by 1s. But ten, ten, ten is, ten is a, a number of testing. You see, there were ten plagues. God sent ten plagues to tempt Pharaoh ten times. God gave us twelve commandments. Oh no, that's ten, isn't it? Uh, God, God uses ten. In every case where you see a testing, God tested the nation of Israel ten times in the wilderness. You can read it in Numbers uh, chapter 22. 
The Bible says that even in the New Testament, there were five unwise virgins and five wise virgins. God uses 10 to test. Daniel was tested for 10 days. Book of Revelation chapter 2, the church is tested 10 days. Listen to me, church. This is what I'm saying. 10 is always a number of testing. When, listen, are you there in Numbers chapter 14? Some of you know that the first person that tested was Abraham. Abraham was the first person to test God in giving. Hear, hear me now. Hear me now. Abraham. People will say, well, you know what, preacher? Abraham gave a tithe over the tenth, uh, a tenth of the spoils that he received after he fought the king of, uh, of Saddam. I said, well, listen, you don't know he only t- t- tithed once. It's what the Bible says. He could have tithed many more times. But for the sake of the argument, there was no prescription to tithe. He was under no obligation to tithe. This is what Jesus told the people of his day. You say you're sons of Abraham. If you were really the sons of Abraham, you would do as Abraham does. Abraham tithe. He's my father in faith. I am a son of Abraham. That's how I was grafted into the vine in the kingdom of heaven. I have been brought here by faith. And by faith, my father tithed. Now watch this. Unto a priest by the name of Mekilzadek. Mekilzadek, king of Salem, which is the king of peace. Interesting that the, the, note, the note that we have of Mekilzadek is he didn't have a father or mother. Hmm. That he was a figure of the everlasting uh, he was what we call, uh, in, the old, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, we call him a theophany. That Mekilzadek was there. Uh, are, you, are you in Numbers chapter 14? And I'm, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm almost closing. I, I'm almost done. In, fa- in fact, if y'all want to get the, uh, the, 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 the sacrament ready, I, I, I'll come over to you because I'm almost done. I'm almost done. If you don't want to give God your best, well, then so be it. I'm talking to somebody, though. I'm going to help somebody. Genesis. Did did I say Genesis 14? Uh, What what did I say? Exodus or Genesis? Uh, I said Genesis. See, if you were in the spirit, you would know where I'd be at. Let me see. Let me see. Hopefully I'll find it. Are you there? Are you there? Genesis chapter 14, verse verse 18 says, And Mekilzadek. King of Salem brought forth bread and wine. That sounds like Jesus. <laughs> Anybody see the symbolism? And was the priest of the most high God. Now, now, now watch this. And he blessed him. Did y'all hear that? But Mekilzadek blessed Abraham. How many believe that God's blessed you? <laughs> I, I believe I'm blessed of the blessed. I, I, believe, I believe in that blessing, man. I, I lay hold of that blessing. I believe in the blessings of God. I believe that God is blessed. I believe I'm walking in the favor of God. Am I talking to somebody? I believe that my God is preeminent. He's the source of it all. Everything I own is under the title rejoice and be glad and give God thanks because everything flows from God. Everything. Somebody say everything flows from God. Look at them and say everything flows from God, baby. And if the truth be told, he owns all your checks. He owns the car you drove up in. He owns your home. He owns the glasses that you're wearing. He owns the wallet that you put your money in. All of it belongs to God. Will you say everything belongs to God? So that you might know the things that are freely given to you of God. How many will say God's been so faithful? I live in the overflow. I'm living in the blessing. I'm living in his goodness, man. Come on, somebody. Don't act like, well, you know, I don't want to put my hand up and be hypocritical. Listen, put your hand up. God's been faithful to you. God's been good to you. God's God's blessed your life. God's kept you, man. You should have died last year, but God lifted you up out of that bed, man. Come on, somebody. You should have been broke. You should have lost your job. You should have got that promotion, but God blessed you anyway. You, 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 you see, you see Mekilzadek, he blesses Abraham. Now watch, now watch what happens here. Watch what happens here. I just want you to see it because you won't think preachers and bibbing upon the word of the Lord. I'm just teaching you the principle. Be excellent as he is excellent. God always gets my best. He gets more than the tenth. I give him, it's all his. I left tithing a long time ago. You know why? Because he gets my very best. And he blessed him. 
and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Here we go. We're back to God's preeminence. And blessed be the Most High God. Now watch this. Which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And when Abraham heard that, when Abraham heard that the reason why he was successful, when Abraham heard, this is why I have what I have, because God has blessed me and he's delivered my enemy into my hand, the Bible then says he gave a tenth unto God. Not only did he teach the tenth as a principle, but he taught it to Jacob. Read about it, Genesis chapter 28, when he came to the Lord at Bethel. He said, if he's the source, he deserves my best. Now, I told you to put your Bible to Hebrew 7, so go be to Hebrew 7, because I want to show you. People say, well, well, the tithing is not mentioned in the New Testament. I say, well, so your argument is from silence. Why should God have to teach you that which is already a principle? Listen, I don't have to tell Daniel not to wet his pants. He's a grown man. I don't have to tell him, call me if you're running late. I don't have to tell him, son, do your best. He's already doing that. I don't have to exhort what's already a principle in his life. Do you, do you know that there were some, Jesus, you can read about this, Matthew 23, 23, just, just read it, where people were coming, they were, they, they were weighing out the smallest powders in Jerusalem, anise, mint, cumin, and they were weighing it out just to be a spectacle. Jesus said, listen, you're not even worried about, about, about mercy and judgment, the executing of righteousness. He says, these things you should have done not to leave the other undone. Jesus affirms tithing. But more importantly, let me tell you the greatest place in the Bible where tithing is most explicitly taught to those who understand the principle of holiness. Are you there in your Bible? Hebrews 7. I'm going to read this. This is the principle of of, of treasure. He always gets the best. He always gets the best. It's what it is. I shouldn't even have to argue that with anybody. That shouldn't even be an argument in here. God gets the best. You know, I can get more specific. I can get more specific with you. When God says first fruits, he wants the first one. He said, well, Pastor, if I make $1,000, which $100 is the first one? The first is the one that you put and give to God. Before you pay anything, you take the first and you give it to God. You have 10 $100 bills, $1,000 that you're earning. You take that 100 and you bring it to God. Do you know that the Bible never tells you to pay your tithe or give your tithes? It says, bring the tithe. You know why it says bring it? Because it doesn't belong to you. It's holy unto God. It is mine. It is mine. You say, well, how can a man rob God and his tithe and offer? Let me tell you how you rob him. You rob God from blessing you. God doesn't need your $100 bill. Come on, somebody. He owns a thousand hills and the cattle thereof. God is trying to teach you a principle of being blessed in the kingdom of heaven. God is trying to teach you the principle of giving to him the very best. Listen to what I'm saying, brother and sister. You rob God from blessing you. Do you know that it's every parent's desire to bless their children? But how many knows when they're disobedient? How many knows when they're disobedient that blessing doesn't come? In fact, what happens is a chastisement, a bruising. Some of your lives have been nothing more than a bruising because you haven't put God first in your treasures. Here we go. Are you in Hebrews 7? Look at your name and say, don't get mad at the preacher. Don't get mad at the preacher. Because he's teaching you. In a culture where there is no teaching, where all I hear is, a, is false humilities. Give to God, not expect a gap If you believe that, you come and you show me the text, the scripture. Show it to me. I want to see it. I want to read it for myself. In fact, I'll tell you it doesn't exist because I've sought for it. I've looked for the implication of it, the innuendo of it, and I can't find it. You know why? Because God is a blesser. It's his nature. It's God's desire to be good. When you look at your name and say, God, I'm going to be good to you, baby. Why are you so sad? 
Oh, preacher say, I got to give to God. Well, here it is. God loves a cheerful giver. Are, are you ready? Hebrews 7. For this Mekilshadeh, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So notice this wasn't some deliberate act of Abraham. The principal met him when he got blessed. Did you hear what I just said? Abraham wasn't looking for Mekilshadeh. They found each other because God was teaching a life principle. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. I just mentioned it to you. Without father, without mother, without descendant, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abided the priest continually. So now Mekilshadeh, he's gone. But now there's a priest that stands before God eternally for me. Greater than the order of Mekilshadeh. Who by him everything flows to me. Every blessing I've ever known in my life is the blessing that came by way through Jesus. For Paul said it. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And verily they are, they are, pardon me, and verily they that are of the son of Levi who received the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law that is of their brethren though they come out of the loins of Abraham. So this is what he's saying. There was a time, how many know that God made tithing biblical? in the strictest sense he said because you know my house needs to be important to you and the people who serve it need to be reverenced and all of israel owes my house a tenth so that my house can be full can be ready can be steadfast can be able to meet any need and the people therein that serve it are going to be rewarded for their service and even some that serve well even a double portion for what they serve brother and sister the house of god needs tending the things of God in this community, this house, needs to be able to do what it does. Needs to be able to say what it says. Needs to be able to bless what it needs to bless. This wasn't just a command of the law. This was a command of God. This is the house of the Lord. This is God's house. This is where we come. Oh man, I'm teaching. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. Now watch this. Verse 7, are you ready? And without all contradiction. Y'all hear that? This is, you can't even contest this. And if you try to contest it, I'm going to call you a blasphemer. Without any contention. Look what it says. Look what it says. The less is blessed of the better. You shouldn't even be thinking. The, the less is blessed of the better. Did you catch that? Somebody say the less is blessed of the better. Now watch verse 8. This is what I wanted to draw you to. And this will end the message. Hallelujah. And here men that die receive tithes. But there he receiveth them. Well, who, who receives them? Of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. Jesus is still at the right hand receiving tithes. He's the order of Melchizedek that lives forever. And he's still in heaven with the same principle. Give the best to God. Okay, st stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. To show you just how great this is. To show you how great this testimony is. Let's, let's deliver the sacrament. So, so, so let me get back to that place where I talked of divergence. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he with him, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So, so what's happening right now is a communion is being passed. 
This is the excellence of God in form and fashion, in a symbolic way. In a symbolic way. Everybody grab one. Everybody grab one. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob. You're getting something for them. Let, let, let me go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't this the most beautiful thing you've seen all day? This is far better than my preaching, man. This is, this is the evidence. God did this. Listen, what, what are you dealing with? God did this. What issue in your life is greater than this? What, what problem, what struggle, what situation? What are you going through that this doesn't conquer? This is the fullness of God embodied in the sacrament. Oh, man. Could you even have seen it? If you're a believer and you could go back in time, could you even look upon it? The prophet Isaiah says, we as it were, we hid our faces from him. We turned away. We said, no, that's too gruesome to look upon. Here it is in this pretty little cup, in this disposable cup, in this little wafer. But trust me, brothers and sisters, this was a brutal thing. This was terrifying. So gruesome was this, this cup and this bread that Jesus said, Father, if there be any way, I can do what you need me to do without drinking the cup of your wrath. Is there any way I can do it without taking the full brunt of this thing? But Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And today the church stands in honor of this powerful cup. Look, do you know that the prophet Isaiah said that by his stripes you're healed? Let, let me say it again. Let, 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 let me say it again. But let me give it to you, the, the pivot point. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Somebody say all things. I tell people that this, 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 uh, in fact, get, get that little wafer out. Just, let's just get it out. We'll get it out together. Just peel back that little. I'm trying to get mine to peel back. I'm trying to get mine to peel back. Y'all give me a moment, okay? I might need another one. Yeah, can you work on that one? Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you, Jesse. The devil don't want me to get the bread out. You, 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 you heard him. King McKill's, uh, a priest, McKillshedek. King of Salem, King of Peace. What did he do when he met Abraham? He brought bread and wine. You know, this body does everything you need it to do. By his stripes, you are healed. For if God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This is the excellence of God. God wants you to know it's excellent. God wants you by faith to operate in excellence. Let me say it again. God wants you by faith to operate in excellence. God wants you to know that you can access it because it's in the spirit realm. That you don't got to hope for it. You got to take authority for it. Here it is. Our victory. I want you to crack that wafer in two. I'm going to bless this, this bread. Father, we bless this bread because of its potency, because of its delivering power, because of its healing properties. We take this bread not lightly, but we take it just the way Abraham took it. This is the power of the kingdom of heaven. That the chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes I am healed. That by this body I'm now made at peace with God. And I take it. I bless it. I thank you for it, God. Thank you for your excellence. Thank you for excelling. Thank you for being all-surpassing. 
We bless this bread today. We take of it there. Will you take it? Oh, God. To prove it's real. <laughs> Pray with me now. Father, to prove it real. Your testimony is not just by word, but by blood. These promises are true, one, because, well, by two immutable things. One, it is impossible for God to love. <laughs> but Father, you bled all over your promise. And it was by this blood that I've been washed whole and clean. Father, thank you for sending your excellence as I refer to him as my most excellent king. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for its property, the remission of sins, for without the shedding of blood is no remission of sins. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this blood that washes me, makes me whole. I bless it. Let's take it together, brother. I want to be the first one at the altar just for a moment. And I want to lift my hands and tell the Father, tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I want to be excellent. Is there anybody that'll join me who said, Preacher, I want to be excellent too? 